live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio, this is WMVP WSAG HD2, Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Welcome in to Bears Weekly, a Chicago Bears network production. Download the Chicago Bears official app, brought to you by Verizon, to follow the team on the go. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Athletico Physical Therapy, Bet Rivers, CDW, Connie's Pizza, IGS Energy, and Miller Lite. Here are your hosts, Jeff Choniak, a.k.a. the Mayor of Bearsville, and his sidekick, Tom the Surfmaster Thayer. It's Bears-Browns, and thank you for joining us. A big matchup Sunday along Lake Erie in downtown Cleveland, Ohio, for the Week 15 Bears-Browns matchup. And this is Bears Weekly with Super Bowl-winning Bears guard Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks to our producers, Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli from the Bears. And tonight in the ESPN 1000 studios, Jack McGrath and Sean Graney, our executive producer of the Bears Radio Network, is Eric Ostrowski. Coming up tonight... We visit with Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson and later in the program, Big Tom, former Browns quarterback Bernie Kosar from our Bears Etc. podcast that we taped this week tonight. All right, so the Bears going to Cleveland as underdogs, as, as, as they've been all season long. But that line keeps shrinking, Tom, not that we're into that. But uh, the Browns have nine starters out if you take out guys like Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, and some really good defensive players losing Grant Delpit at safety. Uh, Twelve players of note on their injured reserve and their their top three tackles are out. Yeah, but you know, I think everybody's accustomed to that in the fo- in the in the football business because you know that everybody's not going to have a perfect roster at this time of the season. I mean, it's just like the Bears. You know, just in mid stride, Yannick Ngakwe comes up and he's injured and he's out of the lineup. So how do you make changes accordingly? And I think everybody is faced with those types of injury issues throughout the course of a season. But to me, did Cleveland win last week? I mean, they got a quarterback that's 38 years old that's just come aboard. They have injury issues up and down their roster, but they still go out there and play a super brand of competitive football, and they're playing at home where they get great support. So just because there's injuries on the side of the Cleveland Browns, I wouldn't take them any less seriously than I would if they had a healthy roster week one. Right now, this will be the fourth consecutive game. It just occurred to me, if I have my math straight, the Bears (laughs) played the Lions twice and the Vikings and now going to play Cleveland. Those are currently, as the season ends today, there's four playoff teams. The Bears have a chance here. Should have beat Detroit the first time. Beat Minnesota. Beat Detroit. If they beat Cleveland, they will have beaten what now, if the season ended today, and it doesn't. December football is weird that way. I mean, what, what... perspective does that give you about how these guys have come together you know I just like the whole fact that they've been improving throughout the course of the season and Matt Eberflus the head coach has never lost the locker room they're working in a positive direction in segments and team and aspects of this group are making significant improvements week in and week out so you look at the Minnesota Vikings, they had a backup quarterback in, in the mix, and the Bears were able to take advantage of them. Now the Cleveland Browns, they have a, a backup, well, a newly aboard quarterback that's in the mix, and they have to do the same to Joe Flacco. But when you look at what they did against the Detroit Lions and a quarterback that was probably playing as good as any quarterback in the league, the Bears were able to take advantage of of him as well. We're going to break this thing down with our coordinators uh, every Thursday. They speak at Hallis Hall, so we get snippets of it. Luke Getze, uh, right in your alley, asked about the offensive line. This will be the fourth straight game that the Bears' offensive line, as it's currently constituted, <laughs> has played together. That seems odd. 
but you you feel them. You feel the difference they're making. Here's the offensive coordinator. You're definitely seeing that chemistry, the communication, the different styles of defenses that we play. Put some some put extreme circumstances out there that the communication has to be on point and when you play next to each other you know sometimes you don't have to speak those words you just know what each other are going to do and so I think that's the long-term benefit of of those guys playing next to each other that that will even that'll happen even more um but what you know the short-term part of it is absolutely um we're seeing the benefit of it you know you have the just that free play just take that play alone yeah, that play alone was the 4th and 13 free play conversion to D.J. Moore. Uh, you played it, and you played it well at a level that's beyond expectations these days. Seven straight years, you guys barely miss a snap together. You're saying five. I mean, this is this is baby steps in terms of continuity with four. How encouraged are you? Oh, I'm super encouraged. You know, the first game I was getting ready to start for the Chicago Bears, Jay Hilgenberg, the center, came up to me and said, remember, you do my job first and then you do your own. And it's kind of just chemistry type of talk. Because when they had the discipline to stay on sides when the defensive lineman from Detroit jumped and it gave them the opportunity for that free play, I don't think people understand how much discipline that takes. Because the first thing you want to do as an offensive lineman is if you get a guy jumping off sides, is kind of overreact to him. They didn't do that. They kind of fell into place with their protection, and Justin read it accordingly, saw DJ down the field for a touchdown throw, and it became one of the biggest plays in the game. But Tevin Jenkins has been graded out very high during his time this season, moving on both sides of the line, uh, eight games, and then Darnell Wright with a really maybe his best game of the season last week. But, you know, I think when you talk about chemistry and I joke about Jay saying do my job first, I think this is what I was kind of getting at is the fact that Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis, they have to really pay attention to the offensive tackles in this game because, first of all, they have to identify where Miles Garrett is lined up. And they have to understand if they have any freedom, if they have a bubble over them, they're going to have to have all eyes approach on Miles Garrett. And so when you look at Tevin Jenkins and you look at Nate Davis, you're going to have to really take into account where Miles is so you can help these offensive tackles the most. And to Darius Smith, he may be on the other side of 30, but he's still a threat, as Luke Getze outlined. It's not just Miles Garrett. It's also Big Z. It's not just him. I mean, they're, it's, <laughs> they give us a report each week, and I think they, they were, like, number one in, like, every defense's statistic in the league. So I was like, this is going to be fun, right? And then, they, then you go out there and you have – 95 and 99 staring down at you at the same time but they're no that's it's fun I think this is this is like this is why you do what you do you want to play against the best and I think this is yes you have those two those two you have to account for at all times there's no question about it that when you're when you're going up against some guys like that that uh, your game plan has to be centered around those two guys yeah they are uh, number one in eight different categories but in recent weeks they're giving up a lot of points right you know when Jeff so when Reggie White was in the NFL who was the defensive end that played on the opposite <laughs> side of him? You don't know. I, I can't remember you anyway. You weren't concerned about that defensive end on the opposite side. It was um, um, he played here for a while. Um, I'll think of him in a minute. However, I'm just saying back to Miles Garrett. You have to be 100% assured that you have as many hands and eyes on Miles Garrett as you can have, and that sometimes you're going to have some difficult circumstances for the opposite offensive tackle who's going to have to block Zadarius Smith by himself. So, again, it's about all due respect to Smith, 
but it's about Miles Garrett that you're going to have to have complete awareness of. All right, we're going to take a break. Our first here on Bears Weekly. When we come back, we'll hear from cornerback Jalen Johnson, my sit-down interview with him for our Bears game day live show that you'll see and hear on Sunday from Cleveland on Fox 32 Chicago. With Top There, I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. You're tuned into Bears Weekly with Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff and Tom with you on Bears Weekly, getting ready for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, coming into the break, Tom was trying to figure out who played opposite Reggie White, and you say it was Clyde Simmons. Yeah. That was one of them. I mean, anyway, he was yeah. one of them because Reggie played at Green Bay. Reggie played, you know, in uh, other places. However, I'm just getting back to the Miles Garrett comparison with a guy like Reggie White that when you're that awesome, that's where your that's where your focus begins. All right, we got to talk about Jaquan Brisker uh, before we get to Jalen here, real quick, because uh, he is hitting and playing like a linebacker. He's playing as as inspirational and motivated and loud uh, defensive players you can get. They gave him 18 tackles from the coaches. See, they don't they don't give those stats out anymore. Once upon a time, you'd get the league stats, and then on Tuesday, you'd get what the defensive coaches. Gabe, and the numbers were usually <laughs> elevated, right, which helps right. the player out. No, those are kept secret. But when a guy gets 17 tackles like that, uh, the coach, Eberflus, said, yeah, you know, we had him for 18. Uh, this is Dave Borgonzi on Jaquan Brisker's impact on the defense. Just the physicality and the, the tempo that he sets for the rest of the guys. I mean, he's a safety, but... I mean, he plays, like you said, the way he hits and how physical he is, it's like a linebacker. And we've had safeties in the league that have played like that. Um, but he's also a good cover player. Um, so I think he's got the unique combination of he can play in the box, he can play the run, he's physical, he can tackle uh, bigger backs, and he can also cover. Um, and just Jaquan's mentality, I think, is awesome. Uh, again, I talked about TJ and Tremaine about how they prepare, and Jaquan's the same way. Football's important to him, and um, how he prepares, I think, positively affects him, how he plays on Sunday. All right, so there's a lot on the table for him on Sunday, actually, because the Browns are physical. They like to run the ball. Are they running it uh, the, the way they did with Nick Chubb? No, uh, but they have capable running backs, and Kareem Hunt's the change-up to Jerome Ford right now. Everybody knows what Hunt is like. And David Njoku, we don't talk enough about David Njoku at the tight end position. Uniquely gifted athlete kind of makes me gives me the most concerns for a quarterback that's just come aboard because if you want to talk about matchups that it's difficult to match up against in terms of a, a line bo- linebacker with tight end speed or a defensive back to the, the size to cover a line or a tight end you know that's you know Joe Flacco's go-to guy right now and so it's going to be interesting to see what the Bears do but you're not going to do anything without getting pressure on the quarterback so everything has to match up with each other and I think when you look at a guy like Jaquan Brisker because he's not exclusively a defensive back he can play at the first second or third level that 
I think that's why, you know, he, he's the guy that creates interesting matchups because he never gives away actually who he's going to cover. All right, I wonder who Jalen's going to cover, Jalen Johnson. Uh, Amari Cooper is the guy that's uh, the most targeted so far with Flackley at 14 targets. Only seven catches last week out of those 14, but an array of different types of receivers. But overall, uh, Jalen Johnson's been playing at a very high level this season. Pro Football Focus says he's the number one cover corner this this point in the NFL. Here's my conversation with the Bears' starting corner. Would you agree? This is a dangerous team right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, forget about the. I mean, it's a handful of games and mm-hmm. see what happens. Smart. Do you feel that way? Oh, no, definitely. I think honestly, I think teams are. I won't even say scared, but it's a little unknown. I think of what what type of team we are because I think we've given teams plenty of problems, and I think it's always about us not finishing and I think that it can be scary for teams to go in and scout because it's like you look at the record and just naturally you want to think like okay they're not that good but then you kind of watch the game it's like nah they're good they just don't finish or they just find ways in a sense to to lose the game but I think now when you start kind of changing that narrative towards the end of the season now it's like okay now this team is pretty good they just had a rough start so I mean just for us just got to continue to find ways to finish and I think that after we do that I think we'll be a very dangerous team yeah you know I went back before the season and mm-hmm. looked up everybody's record mm-hmm. on this roster and there hadn't been many guys that had a winning record right. a handful and I think over yeah. time that will get better yeah I mean honestly, I think it just comes with experience I mean even I think if you look from the top down I think everybody's in newer positions I mean yes. even starting with Ryan Poles he's a first-year GM coach Flus is a first-year head coach so it's like there's a lot of people that are in newer positions that are still that have been around winning correct but for like you said being in it yourself and actually having to drive that boat and be the leader and be that that dude that shows teams how to win or show your players and things like that. So I mean, we're all, I think we're all building it together. I think it's just a matter of getting the right pieces, and I think we have the right pieces. We just got to continue to gel together and continue to go through these experiences and then really just have the kick the door down mentality. Cause, I mean, we've been knocking at the door so many times and just throughout this season, just knocking at the door. But at some point, we got to take that step to kick the door down. I love your confidence. Mm-hmm. You, you came in the league that way, honestly. Right. You have to. You have to corner, yeah, right? Yeah. You, like you're you're 24, right? Yes, 24. Sir. 24. You seem a lot older. Than <laughs> I appreciate Not, it. You don't look old. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying you, you just have a, a way about you and your, your confidence of going to a podium and you know it can be looked at many different ways. Right. Saying, yeah, I think I'm I'm the best corner in the mm-hmm. league. I'm going to be the best corner in the league. I think there's few guys in this league. This is what you've said over the mm-hmm. course of your career that could cover better than me. Right. But I've got the truth. The truth <laughs> is the, the truth. Paper. The truth is the truth, right? Like your catch rate mm-hmm. all four years is in the 57 to 54% range, mm-hmm. which is outstanding. Guys are catching the ball when it's thrown in your direction. Uh, they, they have a battle with you. Right. Uh, how, I mean, the facts are the facts. It's right. four years of it. <laughs> right. Right? Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's what I, that's what I pride myself in doing. I think when it comes to, covering coming to challenging and really going getting after wide receivers I mean that's what that's what I've always wanted to do I mean just in in college that's what I did and I think just coming out into the league nothing nothing for me changes continue to perfect my craft continue to get smarter and learn offenses learn different concepts and I think that's what has took me over the top this year really learning what the offense wants to do learning situational ball but I mean honestly just all comes down to the mentality of just being a dog and competing about this too this year Mm -hmm. It hasn't been much over the course of your career, but less than 100 yards after the catch allowed. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? 
I mean, sticky coverage. I mean, when, <laughs> if they do catch it, a few times that they do catch it, I think it's one of those where I'm, I'm right there yeah. on them. So just being able to get them down right away. But, I mean, honestly, you just got to be in the right position. I mean, sometimes you're going to go with them to catch it. And then just when you do, you got to get them down. All right, you had a two-interception game against Vegas. Mm -hmm. You had the interception against Minnesota. Mm -hmm. That's been a big a big point right, right, for, for you, sure. too. Yeah, right? 100%. You, you, too. And, you know, you, you made a comment a couple weeks ago, like, I don't know what's going on with a couple drops. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to go back to, you know, is it, a, is it a Darnell Mooney hit the jugs gun every day type of situation? Or, <laughs> well, I mean, it's a little different when right. you're a receiver in a corner. But what, what have you learned about that part of it, about your game in your hands? Honestly, really just getting in that point. I mean, I feel like up until this year, I haven't had too many of those opportunities you really in haven't. the game. So, really I mean, haven't. just yeah. slowing slowing down when you get to that point, I think that's the biggest part. I mean, sometimes, especially as a DB, you got to react, you got to go fast. But just in that moment of catching, because, I mean, I have I have pretty good hands, but at times, it's, I know, especially against Minnesota, thinking about the end zone and thinking about what I'm going to do after, it's like, nah, you just got to see it all the way in first. So, it's like not getting those game reps, I think, um, I feel like we're shown clearly, but just after practice, just continuing to every time I catch, make sure I'm looking the ball all the way in. And honestly, speaking of Mooney, he, uh, we were catching a few weeks ago, and he showed me this thing that he does. And he was like, every time he catches it, he calls what he sees, and it's like, does he see spaces or laces? Oh. So, I mean, even so, we've called a few times after practice, and just when I am catching with the quarterbacks and things, I just always want to catch it and then, in a sense, call out what I see. So. Hmm. Definitely credits to him and giving me some of those wide receiver tips. But I think that's the biggest thing, just being able to focus and slow slow down in that catch point and just call out what I see. Best moment that's happened to you as a Bear and your worst? I would probably say Walter Payton, man, you're the nominee. Yeah, yeah. I would probably say that one. Worst moment? I would say my rookie year, we played, actually it was Detroit. We played Detroit. And if I'm not mistaken, I gave up, I want to say maybe two two touchdowns. One of them was a scramble drill, 50-50. He caught it, whatever. And then the second one, crunch time, in a sense, just wasn't in the right position reading the concept. I ended up throwing the ball, I feel like, in between me and the safety, but it was supposed to be my coverage. And then they scored. And then I think they ended, not even, I think they ended up winning that game. So I would probably say that was, I would say, my worst moment. Everybody's got a good and a worst, that's for sure. You, you know what's amazed me when I listen to that, that interview and you say you look older, I because I, uh, he's still a young man, 24 years old. Then you think of how young Jaquan is, how young Carla Gordon is, how young Tariq Stevenson is, how young Terrell Smith is. Yeah. This is a young defensive backfield. And then I, because we, as we are sitting here, I was looking up the age of Eddie Jackson. They say he's 30 years old. I don't. I, 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 it's hard for me to believe, <laughs> I know. but it's a young, it's a young defensive backfield, and it's a talented defensive backfield. So, um, I guess when you throw out the statistics of the way Jalen is playing, uh, you know the proof is in the numbers. So he's having a great start of his career, and uh, you know he should be proud of himself because. There's a lot of responsibility at the defensive back and the cornerback position specifically to go out there and be able to play in the NFL. Yeah, it is crazy, this whole age thing, especially when you talk about a 38-year-old quarterback the Bears will be facing in Joe Flacco on Sunday, and he's throwing to guys like uh, David Bell was seven years old when Flacco got drafted in the yeah. first round. So that that's the weirdness 
of having these veteran quarterbacks. All right, when we come back, we'll listen in to the special teams component of this matchup between the Bears and the Cleveland Browns. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak here on Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. You're tuned into Bears Weekly with Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by CDW. People to get it with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, as we get you set for Bears and Browns. We heard from Richard Hightower this week. The NFL, I guess, is concerned about the kick returns. They're way down, way, way down. The biggest number of a single return guy is 16 returns. They usually you get into the 30s. We know how we feel about it. It's 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 ruining it. Don't put me on an open mic about that topic because you know where I'm going to go. Here's Richard Hightower, the Bears special teams coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we got to look at in the offseason. Obviously, uh, um, I think Troy's desired result and the league's desired result is we wanted uh, league wanted the kick returns to go down, which has happened. I still feel like it's a phenomenal uh, play. It's very exciting. Hopefully. Uh, Devin gets in the hall soon because he made that play what it is today because it's just a phenomenal football play. We want to keep the foot in the game. I mean, they call it football for a reason. Uh, it's because you kick the ball. So um, we want to look at it, and we want to look at it in the offseason and see how we can make the play even better. And I think everybody wants to keep the foot in the game. So that's the way I would address it. Uh, And as the weather changes, I mean, I think the returns that went down early, but as the weather changes, the returns are going to start to go up now. So we'll just see how it is. We'll we'll revisit it after the season. Troy Vincent of the NFL office uh, says the kickoff rule change has gone too far in terms of reducing the number of returns. They want to find a better middle ground. I think uh, also uh, those who don't recall the great Gale Sayers, uh, man, he was unstoppable returning kicks. Devin revolutionized how I mean, teams yeah. tried to defend the kick return yeah. coverage. Billy White Shoes Johnson, Ricky Upchurch, there's Gail Sayers. Dante Hall. Dante Hall, there's um, Cordero, Cordero Patterson. Patterson. Desmond Howard. I mean, just, <laughs> just you know, Tim Brown. So there's, a, there's tons of guys. You know, it's the most difficult running play to be taught by a coach. And that's what it is. You catch the kickoff, and then you have assignments to every one of the other ten guys, and you're designed a running play point of attack, creating a lane, sustaining a block, head placement, and all that. It's difficult to coach. And for them to try to take it out of the game, it's just embarrassing. Well, it it is, and it's deflating because you, you, you think about it. You start the game, crowd's ready to rock. You kick off and sails out of the back of the end zone, or on a few occasions, because there haven't been many, a fair catch. Right. Um, it just It's a buzzkill. And coming out at halftime, same thing. Key point in the game. I mean, it's strategy that's going out the window. Remember the game against the Vikings with Adrian Peterson? They, it was an unbelievable game. He had a great game run on the ball. And they put him back to return a kickoff. Right. I mean, hey. DJ Moore could do the same. Walter's done. Walter yeah. did it in his career. And it's all in the name of safety. Don't you think in a punt return is not as safe as a kickoff return? Uh, yeah, I mean, if listen, if you're going to put the blame game on an aspect of football that you say is too dangerous, I don't think kickoff return is the way to go about it. Again, I don't know what's the difference when I played on every single kickoff return throughout my whole career, and that's when you could have the wedge. So, yeah, then they took the wedge apart. Now they tried to dissect the the process of the return to make it safer. 
It's just a, a just a ridiculous ridiculous way that people that have never played the game are trying to make make uh, the game safer. Eric Metcalf. Yeah, I mean he was so exciting. It's the excitement factor. It's uh, something strategy in your pocket. One of the That's greatest sure. games in Chicago Bear history was an overtime kickoff return by David Williams yeah. against the Detroit Lions. On Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, and it was a kickoff return that decided that game. So uh, we, we have a lot of different complaints, but I guess. The kicking game is going to be big. You know, you can make a case because it's uh, a Rust Belt town, Cleveland, by the lake, like Chicago, that that stadium. And that stadium is it's challenging. Uh, but the winds at Soldier Field are definitely harder to navigate the turf which has changed in a very positive way with the Bermuda grass now. But they got a really good kicker in Dustin Hopkins. The Bears have a really good kicker in Cairo Santos. Their special teams coordinator, the former player Bubba Ventrone, says absolutely Hopkins should be uh, a pro bowler. He said eight of eight from 50-plus, but he's forgetting that Cairo is seven for seven. So, you know, they're both having great years. and, And, hey, this could be the type of game, because of the wild card with injuries on their side of the fence, uh, this could be a game that decides uh, by a field goal. Well, the very whole easily. the whole end of the season, they're all outdoor games, yeah. and you know, kickers they become a different you know type of a kicking animal when conditions get unfavorable. So whether it's the footing for the punter, the plant step for a kicker, or whatever the case may be, Bear special teams unit uh, has has improved over the course of the season, Tom. And there, you talked about the young secondary. Some of those guys are playing on. Special teams, they've gotten defensive snaps like Elijah Hicks. Elijah Hicks is a very emotional player on special teams. He was pointed that out uh, by Richard Hightower. Uh, You've got Blackwell. He's outstanding. Very, very good player. I mean, we can go down the list. Tyreek Stevenson caused the fumble in the Detroit game. Roshan Johnson, he's out there. He's, you know, this is a very, this is the beginning of something. It is, really, with all these young players. Right. Well, you know, listen, if if you are a starter, you have to be willing to contribute on special teams, whether you're in a starting role or in a backup position. And probably during the course of the season, your number is going to be called just because out of, out of a need in numbers in a game. So I think it's as equally as important role. Even if you're only designed to do one play, you got to do it right, and you have to understand what your assignment is. Coming up next, our sit-down with Bernie Kosar from our Bears Etc. podcast, a portion of that 37-minute interview. Coming up next here on Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. You're listening to Bears Weekly on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly brought to you by Athletical Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an in-clinic or virtual appointment and start feeling better tomorrow. He was one of the best quarterbacks during an era where the Cleveland Browns were, you know, they were contenders until the Denver Broncos and John Elway took it away from them several times. But Bernie Kosar was the guy running the show. He's got perspective. He watches a lot of football. He is very close to Tom and I from his days uh, coming over in our booth. And uh, Tom obviously playing in the same era. Bernie was a 1985 draft pick out of the University of Miami down in Florida, and we've had some really good times. He's also battled uh, a lot physically and emotionally. Some of that here in this interview on Bears Weekly. To see Joe Flacco in a Cleveland Brown uniform and playing in the old Cleveland Brown Stadium is a little unique and challenging (laughs) to 
some of us CTE'd or TBI'd concussed old quarterbacks, but seeing him on the Brown side of things as opposed to the Ravens and or last year, we were mortified when he was playing for the Jets and had that miracle comeback against uh, uh, the Browns last year. Um, the way our defense is playing, the way our offensive line is playing, and to see Joe Flacco, who literally two and a half weeks ago was sitting on his couch, <laughs> and now to see now to see him throwing, and, and to see him throwing, and I'm not trying to say this, guys, to be a homer or to, to strike up this Browns-Bears thing. I'm really just talking about it from the ultimate respect of an old quarterback watching another quarterback play. To see him throw um, the skinny bang eight post that he threw a couple times against uh, the Rams two weeks ago and then what he was doing um, last weekend's game. And to have that sense of timing, to be able to hit those balls now with that sense of timing now, it's really impressive after all those years in the league that he's still able to make those type of throws. And the way Coach Stefanski and our offense and Coach Callahan's been handled. We've had a ton of injuries on the offensive line. And, and with Tom on, on the call here, I'd love to see what he thinks about our offensive line. I mean, we're on the third level of third string, yet our offensive line is dominating. And given Joe Flacco with the running game time, so the play-action pass and being an old-school quarterback, um, drop-back pocket quarterback with offensive line play, um, with guys that you know have only been there as, as little amount of time as Joe Flacco, it's actually really impressive. Hey, Bernie, my last year in Miami, uh, Steve DeBerg and I came aboard the same time in Miami. He practiced for four days, and then he was able to start a game. You look at the similarities with the age and Joe Flacco's experience. So does Joe Flacco come in and tell Stefanski the plays, the types of patterns he likes the most? and then you build upon that? Or does Joe Flacco have to invest himself in the terminology of the Cleveland Browns playbook and play by their rules? So I'm going to get to that latter question, my man, but I wanted to get back to that 1993 Steve DeBerg coming and learning that system in four four days <laughs> and play that awesome guard, Tom Thayer and stuff, because Bernie Kosar got whacked that year too okay so i was getting to talk to by the dolphins too so as me and steve deberg were debating between the dolphins and the cowboys and stuff steve ended up at the dolphins and stuff i could have handled i could have went from i could have went from jay hilgeberg taking snaps down to Tom <laughs> there okay <laughs> But but as it pertains to the play calling and the system and what Joe Flacco is going to want to do, there were some cute things that happened towards the end of our Browns game. We had a fourth and two where um, we went for it on the plus 40-yard line, ended up hitting it for a touchdown um, um, when they blew the coverage last week and stuff. And you could see the excitement of Coach Stefanski running down the field. You could see the excitement of Joe Flacco. A veteran QBs and the respect they, um, the, the coaches tend to have for us older QBs, I could see them really tailoring game plans now that are really in Joe's sweet spot, stuff that he really feels uh, good at doing. And, and again, not, uh, the Bears see these things, but, again, he's 38 years old. 
And whether he's the Browns quarterback or not, I'm not smiling. I'm not giving these glowing statements. I'm massively impressed. Uh, Tom, as we were waiting for you to get on air here, I was joking with Jeff and stuff <laughs> off air. I can't believe how he's throwing the skinny post. I mean, he's sitting on the couch two and a half weeks ago. Now he's throwing bang eights off of off of a, a five-step drop throwing him like he's a 23-year-old guy with, with such arm talent. It's super impressive to watch. Miles Garrett, though, he scares us now. He scared us uh, in Justin's first NFL start, and Tom has many opinions on what happened in that start, but he was hit uh, 15 times sack, nine times. Uh, Garrett had four and a half of those sacks and hit him six times. Um, I think he's healthy, uh, but is he having an MVP-type season for you, and what what awaits the Bears when they take on that Browns front four? So I love, of course we love Miles Garrett. There, there's no denying his awesomeness and how he's been playing. The Bears, um, and Miles is a tough guy. He's not complaining at all, you know, about his injuries and stuff. But he does have a shoulder injury that the Bears know about and the world knows about. And he's been playing probably at 80-ish percent. So the last week or two, you know, getting an 80% Miles Garrett, given 100% effort, but physically that's maybe not as dominant as we saw a month ago when you, you have, a, Tom, you remember the old fresh legs perspective and, <laughs> and, and good, good health and stuff of it. But you mentioned the Justin Fields' first game against Miles Garrett and the four and a half sacks to 15 hits. Let's see, again, I'm not trying to pick on that system, Okay, but that system wasn't set up at all for success for Justin Fields as a young quarterback. I think it's actually sinful to put that young man in that spot back then. And that really retards his potential chance at growth right then. So, again, I'm a Browns fan, so that bears, that bodes well for us. But I don't like to see a young man like that be stunted in his development and be put kind of in a system Back then, that man, he shouldn't have been in, and you guys are still suffering of the the ramifications or the repercussions of a that that system and those hits. Because look at I'm looking at you, Jeff, right in the eyes as we're on screen now. But us QBs, you know, I, I don't want to goofy on camera here, but us QBs are to look up. We're looking past the Mike linebackers. We're looking in almost to the screen, and we're trying to see the whole picture. That's easier said than done, and I'm still doing that now. But when the play starts and guys are coming around you and stuff, and that old system when Justin Fields that day got hit 15 times and got four and a half sacks by Miles Garrett, man, the eyes have to drop. They have to come down. And when you're a QB and now I'm hovering and I see Tom Thayer's backside, Okay, that's a negative sign for us quarterbacks. We want to, we don't, and I mean this in the most respect. That Jay Hildenberg, who who blocked next to uh, Tom, also I got the honor of putting my hands under his backside to have <laughs> hands and stuff. I never saw those guys because they were so good. You knew they were. You didn't have to drop your eyes down. Justin Fields, early in his career, when he's developing his confidence, his self esteem. You know, I've used the, I use the phrase, you matter a lot here in Cleveland. It's not from the University of Miami. It's because you matter. And us quarterbacks, um, we, we're acting like we're always calm and we have our self-belief. But there's self-confidence and self-esteem. And if you don't have it, 
your eyes drop. You don't have a belief that the play is going to hold up. You don't have a belief that the offensive line is going to hold up together. So you drop your eyes down and you take a look for Miles Garrett, and that makes for a horrible day. If you're a Bears fan, it makes for a great day. If you're a Browns fan, that's why we love the that's why we love the NFL. <laughs> so you're taking your career from consideration. You take you, you look at the tough guy image of that era of football. You think of the quarterback position, and then you think what Tom Brady said two weeks ago and the state of the toughness in preparation of the modern-day NFL. Do you have any reaction towards what he said, and do you agree or disagree with it? Tom, the old school, the old school QBs. Now, there's, uh, I probably uh, could get a little long-winded on this answer, you know, and as I, I look at some of these old, cranium inflating <laughs> pictures of me behind me and stuff of the old days um we were joking you know me and you and, and, and jeff joke on air and off air for more than the last decade about some of the health issues that we've gone through that we go through and and proudly what we did when we played and i don't want to see guys get hit like we got hit and it's kind of the the um, barbaric gladiator days of it but I am super proud to be sitting here, to be healthy, to be cognitively present. You know, after 40 surgeries, 80 broken bones, heck, 100 concussions, had 15 seizures. My heck, my last two seizures at the O'Hare Airport, I was in a coma for uh, 96 hours. Um, coming from a concussion evaluation um, with the NFL docs. So um, I don't want to see these younger quarterbacks go through some of the stuff that I'm going through health-wise and kind of what I've been doing on my health and wellness journey to come out of it. Heck, the great quarterback, Jim McMahon, I've been looking at his ankle and some of the stuff that, you know, he's going through um, with his with his rehab and us trying to be healthy now and that. God, one of your old teammates that you used to block, Steve McMichael, you know, and what he's going through. So, there's, there's so many of, of those type gladiator issues that um, some of our friends aren't doing well with that, you know, I'm, I'm super proud to be cognitively present and, and to be basically physically pretty good. But boy, Tom, you know, some of the stuff that we went through and some of our friends are going through now, it's awesome that you and me are able to be on air today and talk decently, articulately, but God, so many of our friends aren't able to do that. So when I hear statements like that, I kind of feel proud to be here. When I hear Tom Brady make those statements, the physical thing I think is okay. But one of the things that maybe he's maybe referring to is because they don't maybe practice as much, and I actually see this a little bit in the development of Justin Fields in Chicago. I'm a big, big fan of your QB there. And I love his athleticism. I love the way he plays and his presence. But maybe the, what Tom, Tom, your question and what Tom Brady's maybe referring to is his level of coaching and the system that he got early in his career and the attention to detail and almost the obsessiveness that we had with knowledge and practice back in the day you know, yeah, I was on top of that gladiator type um, kill or be killed attitude from the physical side. But boy, from the mental side, it was a master's program of practice and intelligence 
from the X's and O's. And I see that kind of lacking a little bit in what they're teaching the younger quarterbacks. And they're asking them really to not learn the whole field and the whole game like Tom Brady, like myself, was kind of groomed. And that's kind of limiting to young quarterbacks. And I see guys like, you know, Justin Fields kind of struggling early in his development because of, I think, some of those statements like that Tom Brady's making about maybe the development of the coaching of that isn't what it's, what it's up to par. Nothing's been easy for you, has it? And, uh, yeah. I mean, you look fantastic, number one. Number one. Just look really good and healthy and happy. So, first well, and foremost, you. are you? Are you? Yeah, I am. Thanks, Jeff. You know, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned the Kosar coffee and stuff. <laughs> um, I don't do that for a shameless plug yeah. Yeah. in that. What's in it? But, well, you know what's in it is I infuse and I have a patent with uh, some great partners and stuff, and I've become a holistic kind of healer in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter of my life. I mean, I joked about it. So we infuse vitamin D and resveratrol. So I'm not a drinker anymore. Resveratrol is the top antioxidant that you find in red wine. So as a moderate Vitamix juicer now, um, as a guy who's had 40 surgeries, 80 broken bones, I was saying earlier, the 100 concussions, 14 seizures, that, that, that last one in Chicago that I was telling you about, earlier in a coma for 96 hours um and that was five and a half years ago 2017 um about 2017 ish i was told that i have four years left of cognitive brain function you guys remember when you and me uh we used to do the shows um six seven eight years ago nine years ago i was okay but man i could really enunciate articulate communicate any multiple syllable words so Four years ago, when I was told I had five years left of cognitive brain function, when the doctors in, in the uh, Chicago hospital said, hey, man, you're a tough guy, you're doing great, keep up with your prescriptions and protocols, man, I was on like 60-some pills a day. Um, wow. I was close to 1,000 milligrams scripted of Oxycontins, Adderalls, Vyvanse. Uh, so now to not have taken a pill in five years, to have figured out how to be juicing and stuff and how to do smart supplementation kind of with my Kosar Wellness, my Kosar Coffee, I've really been able to almost slow down the deterioration of my cognitive decline. And physically, I've been really feeling good. So your name is recognized around our country, you know, whether you say Bernie or you say Kosar. In everything you were able to accomplish on the football field, you may look awkward throwing the ball, but you threw it in the right spot. Everything that you have accomplished over the last few years, and as well as Jeff and I know you, it overshadows everything you were able to accomplish on the football field. And I have nothing but admiration, and I can't wait for the people to be able to hear your story and to listen to you and understand what you've overcome and, and what a, how your arrow is pointed up. And I tell you what, I, I, I can't say enough and tell you how much I appreciate you for it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you guys. Well, you didn't hear there. He was in Atlanta this week with Commissioner Gadeh, who will be at the game on Sunday, along with Michael Vick and some other quarterbacks 
as they uh, inspire change, which is an NFL initiative here this month. So he's doing a lot of different things. He's not sitting around, that's for sure. Right. You know, you don't. There's a lot of people that aren't athletes that are going through struggles in their life. And if you could ever pass on an interview to a person that needs some quality advice or some assurances that if you do the right things, you can turn things around, I think that's what Bernie impressed me most with. Because we saw him at times where we are looking at him going, wow, is everything okay with him? Listen, this Everything wasn't okay. This interview, yeah. everything was okay. Yeah. He was a, a clearly speaking, intelligent guy that is really on the right track to recovery. And I, I just couldn't be more happy for a guy that I really enjoy his company. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Gioniak. One more segment to go as we break down the Bears and Browns on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. VIP access to every Bears home game, exclusive seating, sideline credentials, and more now available at the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. Jeff and Tom, our final segment before uh, we get you set for Bears and Browns. Dave Borgonzi uh, talked a lot about the linebackers, and that's his position of strength. He's uh, the guy at the podium this week uh, without the uh, a true defensive coordinator. That is uh, Matt Eberflus's job, but... Boy, he's got a trio of guys that we love, and I, I love Noah Sewell's potential as well. But Tremaine Edmonds flashing some really good play as a heavy investment in free agency. Same with T.J. Edwards having a Pro Bowl year, and Jack Sanborn makes plays. Uh, just a great trio as we listen in to Dave Borgonzi explain. They're really close. Um, really, the whole group is close. Um, and then Tremaine and T.J., uh, you know, coming from different places last year, uh, the bond really started when they got here. Uh, it, it was really their, their love for football. Uh, they love competing. They love practicing. Uh, they love getting ready for the game. So, and they are competitive with each other, which which really works for the whole room. So right now we're we're in a takeaway competition amongst the linebackers. So they're they're competing against each other, um, w- which is great. Um, and that's and really that's the the formula to win games. Um, you know what we talk about is hustle, intensity, takeaways, smart situational football. Uh, and the takeaways, that's the best stat in ball. Uh, that correlates the most to winning. And it's something that we practice, and it's something we take a lot of pride in. What do you think of this trio? You know, I, they're super inspirational to this football team because I think they came aboard at the beginning of the year. They were receiving some criticism, but they never let the criticism get them down. And then when you look at them through midseason, they started to improve at such a high rate that they started to be talked about around the league as one of the better segments of the Bears' defense. Now you look at their performance late in the season, they are one of the better, best linebacking trios in all of the league. But then the influence they have on the younger guys that are in the room because Borgazzi said, this is a good room and you have to have a positive atmosphere from the veterans to make sure the rookies and the young guys keep included because I do think that you know eventually when you get your rep or you're going out there you're competing you're working the show team and you're playing at a high level because the guys in front of you are committed and playing at a high level themselves and Dylan Cole veteran also in that group as well uh he also talked about the speed of Tremaine Edmonds and that's starting to show they're they're cutting him loose a little bit on the blitz I was teasing coach Eberflus on the uh, the Bears, et cetera, podcast on uh, Monday. Hey, co- keep coming. You know, because you bring him down the middle of a blitz against a quarterback with his hands up. He's 6'5", right. plus the range. And then if you happen to stunt Montez, who's almost 6'7", with 36-inch arms. And then, oh, by the way, Javon Dexter is 6'6", with length. 
You're clouding vision. You're taking away lanes, aren't you? Well, anytime you give a linebacker that big a running start at an offensive lineman that has a one-on-one, you're going to create some type of advantage. You talk about the height that's going to throw take away a throwing lane. If the offensive lineman overcommits and the defensive or the linebacker is able to avoid him, then he's bringing pressure on the quarterback and putting him on the run. So there's a lot of element elements of a blitz by interior linebacker that can be effective as a defensive lineman out of his stance. All right, let's go into the game real quick here before we go. Uh, obviously, Miles Garrett, the, the bronze defense, very good. It's all, it all starts with him, really, and, and the guys up front. And then Greg Newsom out of Northwestern playing some good corner along with Martin Emerson Jr. Last week they combined for three interceptions and three uh, pass breakups in addition to those three. So they're, they're playing some good ball, but they're, they're losing their, their safety, Grant Delpit. Right now, I mean that's uh, that's big. He's out for the year. Uh, how do you attack this defense? <laughs> you first of all be have awareness of Miles Garrett. Then you have to make sure that you don't have a rhythmic snap count to give them the advantage off of the line of scrimmage. And then I think you have to have a similar game plan approach like you did against the Raiders when you have to think of those guys having a dynamic, full-efforted defensive end. So how do you run plays away from him? How do you make him? you know, have no responsibility inside of a play when you get the ball out of the quarterback's hands immediately. How do you run those types of design sweeps to DJ Moore that you're basically running away from Miles Garrett? So I think it's the creativeness and the design of the plays by Luke Getze to make sure that you don't put Miles Garrett in the position to succeed. Duran Harmon is going to play for the Browns, too. He was here. Yeah, yeah. He was in Detroit, <laughs> and now he's in Cleveland. This league is stunning. Well, you know, it's the stunning. thing about it is, you know, Cleveland has a lot of faith in the pressure that they can put on the quarterback. So no matter who they have in the defensive backfield, they believe that they can make up the time with the pressure so they don't have to add the time to the defensive coverage. So their offensive tackles, uh, they're – they're fourth and fifth string. That, that's just the honest truth about that right now. Uh, Joel Batonio, a uh, 32-year-old guard, and Wyatt Teller, he's he's a nasty guy at, at guard. He he knocked down one guy with or two guys with one punch. He got the linebacker and the safety in one. He's a little nasty, but you got Joe Flacco. So if you can get him off his spot and make him be the mobile quarterback that he is not, then right. I think you're going to have a good day. Make him rely on his athleticism, which is not his strength. But you also have to try to challenge his conditioning. I don't care how much work that he's done in preparation of waiting to get his number called. There's nothing like being fatigued. And then that kind of affects all of your your fundamentals of being a football player. Now, if you throw the ball awkwardly, if your arm's moving slow, if you don't have a lot of juice on the pass, those types of things you can take advantage of. Browns play well at home, and they also have uh, done a nice job beating teams in close games. So something to keep an eye on. We'll have it for you starting at 12 o'clock, our kickoff, Bears and Browns in Cleveland. That's going to do it for us. want to thank you and our guest, Bernie Kosar, also to Jalen Johnson. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks to all our producers. Coming up next, Black and Abdallah here on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. Good night, everybody.